morning. I hope everybody is doing well. We are grateful uh, that you are here with us if you're watching online or maybe here in the room. And today is your first day. I want to give you two uh, tools that I think will help you navigate the morning. My name is Dean, by the way. I'm the lead pastor if we haven't had the chance uh, to meet. But um, if you would go ahead and take out your smartphone uh, or your tablet uh, right now and use your web browser to get to lpguest.com. And certainly if you're in the room, you can use the QR code on one of the chairs in front of you to do that. And there are two reasons, two things that I think will help. The first thing is that there's a digital guest card that's available. Um, there, we have six different ministries that are listed on the bottom of that card. We're already partnered with all six of them. But if you'll take um, 30 seconds, I would encourage you to go ahead and do it right now to fill that out. And then you choose one of the ministries, the one that's kind of nearest uh, to you. They're all doing great work um, in our city. We'll make an extra $5 donation uh, to that particular ministry in your honor, just to give you the chance to do something good, kind, maybe make a difference uh, in somebody's life. Uh, today. Uh, the second thing is that there are uh, message notes that are available uh, to you there. Those are interactive. We're going to use them a lot today, by the way, and if you're a regular around here and you have the LifePoint app, I would encourage you to go ahead and open that up. Um, there'll be some links that we'll use uh, as we go through the message uh, this morning, but those message notes are interactive. You can type your notes into my notes, email those to yourself, maybe just a reminder of something that God says to you uh, this morning. So this is week number four, right? of our series as we, we're calling Broken Mirrors as we started uh, off the new year, thinking through what are some things that are really core uh, to us? What are basics that we want to establish from the beginning uh, of 2024 as we move through the new year? We're looking at Hebrews chapter 11. Some of the lesser known characters may be from Hebrews 11, and if you know anything about that passage, maybe you do, maybe you don't, but sometimes those folks are called heroes. Uh, what we're learning is that they are broken heroes at best, which is good news, right, uh, for us. Because broken people, imperfect people like you and me, can still reflect a perfect God. So these characters are becoming mirrors for us to look at our own uh, lives and our own, our own hearts. So as we talk about the things that are core, right, we talk about our core values. There are five of them I've mentioned to you. They're listed up in the the lobby, we want to keep them in front of us all the time. And so we talk about them like five fingers on a hand. We use the acronym GRASP. So we've already talked about gospel identity, reaching priority, authentic community. The last two then are spiritual intimacy and personal ministry. Today we're going to talk about uh, personal ministry. And if you're keeping score, all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, this is week number four, not week number five. So you're kind of you're kind of out of order uh, there. So maybe instead of grasp, it's graps, okay? Which sounds like a bad stomach condition, uh, but that's the way things worked out this year and the way the calendar worked out. That's what we're, we're going with. So when we talk about personal ministry, we say that personal ministry means that we are servants. And um, we're blessed as a church to have folks around here who serve very faithfully, most of whom serve behind the scenes that you uh, probably don't ever get to see, but sometimes even serving behind the scenes can become kind of a center stage moment. That happened last month in December on a Sunday whenever we were celebrating uh, communion. I got to the end of the message, and man, I'm gonna tell you, I was in, I was in the message, right? The, where we were landing with, to me was so important. The way around is through, like sometimes God just takes us through difficult things, and he's with us. And so I was praying at the end of the medical, eyes closed, right, full throttle praying, and um, I made a mistake. Uh, the communion elements were on the table, and I had forgotten to pick them up because Levi, 
who serves on our team. You see him around your serving. He's so faithful. Uh, one of our um, students from LifePoint Kids, um, sometimes he's running a camera. Sometimes he's doing backstage. Sunday nights, he runs the board for LifePoint students at times. Just incredibly faithful uh, young man. So he was coming up during the prayer, and he was going to take the table. And he knew if he took the table, he would take the communion elements. And then I would say amen, and I would look kind of silly, standing up here leading communion with no communion elements. So um, Levi thought on his feet quickly. And, and, and by the way, I remember there's you're probably... I don't know, 500 to 1,000 people who are watching online, who are watching all of this uh, unfold uh, during, during the service. And in almost a, um, a, like a Sunday morning, dude perfect kind of moment, Levi saved communion, and I'll show you the video of it up here. God, we trust and know that your word says that your way is through. God, this morning, um, I don't know all the perspectives in the room. I, I, I like Paul. I don't know everybody's problem, but I do know what we need. Give it up for Levi. <laughs> Somebody asked me afterwards, they're like, man, you were praying and all of a sudden, like, like you didn't even flinch. Like you, I, I thought it was a miracle, like the fishes and the loaves. I thought... God just dropped about it. Listen, we are very grateful for all of you who serve and give your time uh, at sacrifice. And so this morning, we're gonna look at a young person who's a character from Hebrews chapter 11. We know his name and we know a lot about his life. But we're gonna look at a particular moment uh, of serving. Uh, so Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. If you got a copy of the scriptures, you can turn over there. It says this, and what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, uh, and the prophets. In the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 17 tells us about a battle that happens in a place called the Valley of Elah. I'm going to throw it up here on the screen uh, for you. Um, so the, the battle is going to take place down here, right? The, the, the children of Israel, they're over here. Um, they're on one side of the valley. Their leader, right, is a, a guy, who, King Saul, right? 1 Samuel chapter 9, uh, verse 2 says that he stood head and shoulders among all the people. So they've got the high ground over here. On this side of the valley are a group of people called the Philistines, right? And they have got uh, the high ground on this side, and they have got a champion, and his name is Goliath. They don't want to give up the high ground on this side. So what would happen sometimes in their world was called representative warfare. So it was like champion versus champion. So in this particular battle, Goliath would come down to the middle of the valley every day, and he would uh, deride the army of Israel, Israel's gods. He would insult them in any way that he could, asking for their champion, Israel's champion, to come down and fight. Now, the reason they did, you know, kind of representative battles sometimes is because it saved thousands of lives. So if Goliath wins, his army wins. If the champion of Israel wins, their army wins. And subsequent as well, they both have to, they both have to take, take the loss. So the person that should represent Israel would be Saul, head and shoulders taller than everybody else in the country. Like he's the guy who should come down into the valley, right, to face uh, Goliath. Saul wasn't very eager uh, to come down into the valley. So what he did was he offered a compensation package 
to any soldier from the Hebrew army who would come down to face Goliath. He offered great wealth. Then he offered a lifetime free of taxes, tax-free. But money and escaping taxes don't matter if you die, right? I mean, that's not like that. So you know what he does? He says, and I'll throw in my daughter. He's not, dad, he's not up for father of the year, right? So he's like, I'll give any of this. And no one from the army of Israel took Saul up on his offer. Well, he said, why not? Well, Goliath, scriptures say, was nine feet tall. I don't think anybody in this room would be super eager, right, to go out. And, and I know sometimes you think, you hear, read things in the Bible and you're like, I mean, really, he's nine feet tall. However, the Guinness Book of World Records records that the tallest person ever known uh, of was a guy named Robert Wadlow Pershing, and he was eight feet, he measured eight feet, 11 inches tall. I'll show you a picture um, of Pershing. Just for a frame of reference, if you're an NBA fan, right, the, 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 the new phenom, the rookie phenom in the league this year is a guy named Victor Wimbignana, who's about seven foot four, and if I've got my measuring uh, right, Wimbignana would hit Pershing right about there at seven feet, four inches tall. So you can see why, like, nobody wants to go down and face Goliath. And he's got all these chants and all these, I mean, just talking trash all of the time towards the people of Israel. For 40 days, the army of Israel listens to this time after time after time. But day 41, day 41 is going to be a different day. Because on day 41, a young man named David shows up. Now, David, um, and by, by young, like really young, like he's really just bringing, he was, he's a lunchbox boy, right? He's bringing his brothers lunch. His father sent food to his older brothers who were all soldiers in the army. David was a shepherd. Like he stayed home and watched the sheep. He's the youngest of the, of the clan. And he shows up and he hears Goliath's speech. And what we're going to learn from David is that these legacy kinds of moments in serving, these personal ministry moments, these high mountaintop moments of serving, they don't just happen. They're not just like, they're not just like microwaved. Rather, God grows our souls more like a crock pot to these moments of serving where we see him in some amazing ways. So David hears Goliath's speech, and he shows, when he shows up on the battle, he says this in verse 26 of chapter 17, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And all the soldiers, I'm sure, at least the ones who are around, they look at David, and they're like, chill, dude. Like, ease, ease up a little bit. And Saul, King Saul, he's like, I mean, you're a kid. Like, what in the world? Here's David's response uh, back to King Saul. Um, whenever Saul says that in verses 34, 35, and 37. But David said to Saul, your servant, speaking of himself, used to keep the sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand uh, of this Philistine. David says, look, I've learned, Saul, 
I've learned that God is with me. He said, look, the lion came and took one of the lambs when I, was the, when I was the shepherd. A bear came and took one of the lambs. And instead of stepping back and just letting that happen, I went after them. And I delivered the, the lamb from the, from the bear. I delivered the lamb from the lion. And I'm telling you that the same God who did that is going to deliver that nine-foot-tall giant into our hands today. So we love, as a people, we love what we call the David and Goliath stories, right? We have a frame of reference in our, we love underdog stories, especially if you like sports, right? We love, we love the 1980 U.S. men's hockey team of amateurs go up against the, the Soviets from the USSR, right? I mean, it's David versus Goliath. Think about closer to Columbus. Mike Tyson, heavyweight champion of the world, on top of the boxing uh, world, and Columbus's own Buster Douglas takes him out, right, in, in Japan. 2002, Ohio State uh, college football, right? We're going up against the mighty Miami Hurricanes who haven't lost a title, blah, 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 blah. David versus Goliath. However, Malcolm Gladwell, who's an author, wrote a book um, titled David and Goliath. And in the book, he cites historical references, historical evidence that says that maybe David wasn't, maybe he wasn't all the underdog that we thought he was. That in the Hebrew army, they had these expert marksmen with slings and stones. They were like the, the Hebrew snipers, um, if you will. That day after day, most of them who started as young men, as shepherds, would train and they would sling day after day after day, moment after moment, hour after hour after hour, until they became experts, able to hit targets at a long distance with incredible velocity. That kind of um, diminishes the underdog story, right? I, I get that. But you know what it does enhance? It enhances the moments of serving behind the scenes, of working on a talent, skill, ability, a unique discipline, the unglamorous moments, the day after day after day nature of development that goes on. I mean, what would have happened? What would have happened if David would not have worked on his stone throwing when nobody was watching? Actually, that's a poor question because somebody was watching. That no matter where it is, no matter how you serve, no matter what you do, that God is always with you. And God is always watching. And I think there's enough evidence to say that the way that David goes after the lion and the way that David goes after, a he's a sniper. And so in his mind, he believes that God can empower him in unique way. Like these day 41 moments, right? They don't just, they don't just show up. But when the moment comes, if you and I have been walking in fellowship with our Father and we're ready, there are times when God wants to do incredible things. And there's another principle here um, about serving uh, in, um, uh, in verse 28. It says this. Now, Eliab, that's David's oldest brother. He's the oldest in the clan. His eldest brother heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why have you... Come down, and with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, 
What have I done now? Was it not but a word? It's a great principle here that personal ministry typically brings personal challenges. When David speaks out about what he believes about, not what he can do, but what God can do through him, his older brother Eliab, and you're like, well, they're just brothers, right? I mean, they all, they're, gonna, they're gonna bicker back. I think it's more than that. If you've ever been in a scenario like this, you know what it is. For 40 days, day after day after day, they've listened to Goliath's speech. And Goliath is killing Eliab one day at a time, one speech at a time. Every day that Eliab folds up to cowardice, little by little by little, Goliath just kills him. And all of a sudden, David shows up. And with passion and with intention and with faith, faith unto death, suddenly David becomes a mirror for the rest of the army. And David becomes a mirror for his older brother Eliab, who does not like what he sees. Have you ever been in a scenario like that? Where group think is kind of taken over and there's just, there's no way and we can't do anything. And then all of a sudden somebody shows up with a new idea and everybody's like, oh, that'll never, that'll, a lot of times people become mirrors and that's what I think happens. And so Eliab completely discounts it. Where are you and those few little sheep that you, that you, and David's, I mean, all he says to him is like, what was it, just, I just, just a word, it's all I said. And from there, David turns back, he turns back to Saul because David knew who the real enemy was. And that is critical for you and me as we take steps into personal ministry, as we take steps into serving. We've got to understand that there is a real enemy, there's intelligent evil at work in the world that's probably gonna try and get in your way, it's probably gonna try and get in my way, it's probably gonna cause static and friction. A lot of times, there are people at our church, people sitting in this room right now, who, because they serve the living God, their families give them grief, make fun of them, classmates, teammates, coworkers, constantly criticize, bite, just every now and just a little thing they're gonna throw in there just to try. And you know what I love about David? He refuses to get sidetracked. I, I kind of call it the Eliab principle, right? When somebody offers you criticism, listen to it. Whatever's true, respond to it. Whatever's not, shuck it and move forward. Don't pay it, don't get sidetracked in, uh, with, with sideways energy and spend your time arguing about things that don't matter. And so many of us are prone to that, to get sidetracked in conversations and arguments that are not kingdom-centered, and we argue with each other about silly stuff. And David just is not gonna do it. Because God's given him, God's given him a mission. And David looks back at Saul and he says, King, 40 days you've been sitting out here listening to this, and nobody else is signing up. And what's I mean, what's kind of in a backwards way intended? You're not signing up. I think I'm your guy. And so here's what happens next. Here's how Saul responds in verse 38. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. This is kind of a comical moment, right? Saul's armor probably weighs 200-ish pounds. Saul's a king. David is a kid, right? So David puts on all this armor. And when you read it, you know, in the text, like he can't even move right around, and David's like, this is not, this is not me. King, I appreciate your attempts 
to protect uh, my life, but I can't, I can't wear your, your armor. And I think what David understood is that even though Saul is trying to be helpful, David was not called to be a little Saul. God had a unique plan and purpose in what he was doing through David's life. So day 41, David comes off the hill. Goliath, I'm sure down there, he's giving his speech. And whenever they square up in the bottom of that, of that valley, the, the best way I know to describe it, maybe in terms that we can, it would be like Shaq versus Kevin Hart, right? That they meet, meet each other in the bottom of that valley and that's when the trash talking starts. And Goliath's like, you sent a kid. And he looks at David and he says, I'm gonna feed your carcass to the birds. And you gotta cut David a little slack here. This is his first time, right? He doesn't know, he says, who are you to defy the armies of the living God? That's what he's already said, right? He's already, I mean, that's just kind of repetitive. And he's like, and I'm gonna feed your carcass to the birds. Like, that's what he like, you gotta cut him a little break here, right? The whole trash talking thing is new to him. Goliath just so cocky, so prideful, so arrogant. And here's uh, the verse that I'm sure uh, most of you have heard at some point, verse 49. And David put his hand in his bag and he took out a stone and he slung it and he struck the Philistine on his forehead and the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. Now, what is it that you and I can learn that we can uh, take away from this narrative about uh, personal ministry? Um, I say this to you a lot, but I have to say it until I'm sick of saying it and you're sick uh, of hearing it probably. Personal ministry is how you grow. Now, it's not the only way that you grow, but it is a way that you grow that God has wired you uniquely, no matter what your age are, if you're his, he has wired you uniquely with talents, gifts, skills, and abilities to use for the sake uh, of his kingdom. So as we've walked through this series, if you remember back to the beginning uh, of the series, I showed you uh, a launch pathway graphic. And the launch pathway for us is a way that you can become relationally connected to our church at your own pace. I'm gonna throw that graphic up here just by way uh, of reminder, right? Starting point's one of the first steps sometimes uh, that people take where you move from attending. And so maybe that's you. Maybe today is day one for you. Maybe you've been around for a while and you've just been attending. Maybe a year, two years, um, you've been attending. You can become relationally connected. These are opportunities that exist um, on Sunday morning. And I just wanna point out this one, life team orientation. That's where we can help. We can help you. If you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, if you don't know where the opportunities are inside of the context of our body to utilize your spiritual gifts and to serve, where you have the opportunity to have a, a day 41 moment like David had along the way. Our next Life Teams orientation will happen two Sundays from now. It's on Sunday morning at 9.30 um, across uh, the lobby. Um, we would love for you uh, to take the opportunity to come. There's a link in the message notes. And if you would, click on that link. It'll take you less than 30 seconds, fill out the form just to RSVP to let us know um, that you're coming. 
and that you want to know, hey, how can I go from just attending to getting connected where, where I can find out what the opportunities are and then take the step of service. So the way that I said it to you in the beginning of the series, right, good that you're attending, whether that's online, grateful, in the room, grateful, good that you're attending, better that you're getting connected relationally to our church through the launch pathway at your own pace. But I'm gonna say it this way even this morning, best is that you are using your talents, gifts, and skills, the wiring that God has given to you for the sake of the kingdom to serve through the body. So I'm gonna encourage you to take that step. Even, even more specifically, over the last eight or nine months, I've mentioned to you the needs that we have um, in our LifePoint Kids ministry. Uh, it's just a reality, it's just part and parcel of our church's identity to become, to be a multiplying church. So a little over a year ago, right, we sent people from here uh, out to Plain City to help start the Plain City campus. And then uh, more recently, we sent folks out of here to go help start our Worthington campus. We sent a great family that served in LifePoint Kids up to Cleveland to be a city missionary uh, for the city of Cleveland and help facilitate church planting up there. So what's happened, right, is that we've sent some great families out and we love that. But in the process of doing that now, we have to come along and we have to call our body once again to fill those gaps in serving. And so right now we have about 25 different roles where we need people to serve in LifePoint Kids in a variety of ways. That's tech, that's uh, music, that's uh, storytelling and acting, that's small group uh, leadership. Um, we have a variety of opportunities uh, for you to consider serving. When we ask somebody to serve in LifePoint Kids, we ask them to serve twice a month. And it, you know, initially you think, well, that means I gotta miss like the service in here twice a month. Not so. We have two services, by the way, on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11, so that you can serve one hour and attend the second hour. And you're like, well, I've got kids and my kids would have to sit through the same LifePoint Kids presentation two hours. Ah, not true. We have a room over there called Double Up. So your kids go to their LifePoint Kids class one hour, and then during the second hour, they go to Double Up. And in the Double Up room, there's a, uh, there's a basketball hoop uh, in there, there's an air hockey table, there's video games for them to play, snacks, all of that. So it's different two hours for those families, right, who choose to serve one hour and then to, to worship one hour. We, um, we currently have people who are not just serving twice a month, but they're serving three times a month. Some of them are serving every week because they need to fill those gaps. And listen, we do not wanna be a church that burns people out. You've been a part of churches maybe like that before, where they ask the same people to serve and serve. We don't wanna be that kind of church. We wanna be the kind of church that shares the load and it's how, and it's how you grow. So we're asking for less than 1% of your time during the month to serve and build into the next generation. And you're gonna to get to see it. You get to see it so well this morning as we do baptisms. The theme of this morning, the folks who were baptized at 9.30 and the folks who now are gonna be baptized at 11, is that you'll see that we've been able to come alongside of families and help families be able to have gospel conversations with their kids and be able to see them take steps forward in their faith, some of those initial steps in salvation. 
Some of the young people this morning, you're going to see um, their LPK leaders are actually baptizing them because they've had that kind of impact in their, in their lives. We're a young lady who's going to be baptized this morning in this service who on Sunday mornings rides her bike to get to church. And we've had leaders who've been able to invest in her opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And whenever she filled out to kind of tell her story, there were so many people on her list. Like we had to help her pare that list down. The number of people who've been serving and investing in her life, that can be you. You can make a difference in the life of not just young people, right? But in the next generations of servants and leaders. In the message notes today, there's a link to a form. I'm just asking you to fill a form out. You're not signing up for any, you're just filling out the form to have a conversation. And you're like, well, I'm not really good with filling out forms and the message, that's fine. Just stop at Guest Central on your way out. Um, today, they will help you, take you 30 seconds, fill out the form. Bethany Sampson, our LifePoint Kids Director, will reach out to you just to have a conversation about how you think you're wired, how you think you're gifted, and how you can help invest in the next generation. Well, why, why would we do that? Why do people sacrifice? Why do they give their time? Because we have, we have a Savior who said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for me. And so we want to do everything we can to serve the body. If you have a, a high school student, a middle school student, we have something called Jump Back where they can serve the generation behind them. We don't want them to wait, right, to, till they become adults sometime to figure out serving. Start, start now. So blessed. All three of my kids were able to serve and jump back during their high school and middle school years. We have a ministry called Imago Day that serves families who have children uh, with special needs. You can be part of that Imago Day ministry if you want to in serving. All because we have a Savior who served. That's one of the things I love about this narrative. We call it David and Goliath, right? Because of how, how much bigger Goliath was than David. We should call it Goliath and God because of how much bigger God is, right? Than Goliath. Like that's the, that's the real story. But when God chose someone to come to save the Hebrew people from the Philistines in the Valley of Elah, I think it's just so incredible that God did not choose someone, I mean, someone strong. Like, like David is not, he's not King Arthur, right? He's not Hercules. He's a kid. That God saved his people through weakness intentionally. And that's great news for you and me who sometimes look at our lives like we're broken, imperfect people. And how could God use somebody like, somebody like, we don't feel like strong people spiritually. Most of, we, we feel like that we serve in weakness. And that's the kind of people that God, that God chooses to use. David was the representative right, of the people. His victory would be their victory. His loss would be their loss. And as you tell that story of David a few times, all of a sudden it starts to resonate that there's a reason that Jesus was called the son of David. Jesus, 
our representative Savior. He didn't come into the world with the strength of, of uh, what we would call a worldly glory of kingship, although he could have. But instead, he's born into a manger in a stable into one of the least known cities in all of Israel into Bethlehem. He comes to us in weakness. He serves us uh, in humanity, in weakness. He goes to a cross and he dies for us in weakness. And I believe that is the intention of the Father so that he could be God and he could be us so that we could identify with him that in dying for your sins and my sins, but he doesn't stay buried, right? He has his he has his own day 41 only. His is day three, where God miraculously raises him from the dead. And you know what that means? His victory is your victory. He, it wasn't just that Jesus died for us. He died as us. He wasn't just resurrected for us. He was resurrected as us so that if you are in him, if you are in Christ, his victory, his righteousness is credited to your account so that you and I, are free, free to serve and love and give. Servant, if you're a believer, servant, it's not something you do. It is who you are. And we have the privilege, the honor, and the joy of sacrificing time, talent, resources, treasures at times to invest in other people that we don't always get an immediate response back. But you know what? It's not, service is not, it's not made in a microwave. It's cooked in a crock pot over time. And then just in moments, in minutes, we get to have, like this morning, seeing young people go public with their faith of stories that you and I that we get to be part of. Let's pray together. God, we sang earlier that we, um, that we have sought you and in seeking you, found you, and that God, that because of that, we, we have trust um, in you for who you are and for what you've done. And so God, as we celebrate with these families um, this morning, as we see and sense your care um, in their lives, as they take this step of publicly identifying with you, Lord, thank you that we, as a body, have the opportunity, the blessing of the plowing and the planting, and in some moments, the harvesting, to get to see what it is you're doing in the lives of others and in our hearts, in our lives as well. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to invite you to stand, and we're going to sing.